and help you understand a little bit more maybe today about why we place such a value on uh, the scriptures. And we're going to do something that might be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you today and might push you outside of your comfort zone. Uh, we're going to do a giant momentum journaling exercise uh, today. Some of you may have seen these spiral-bound journal things that we distribute when we start a new teaching series. There's a couple extras of them laying around on the chairs uh, this morning. And so if what we do here today intrigues you and you want to chase that down a little bit further, then uh, you can take one of those home with you and explore it a little bit. Because sometimes you might come in and think to yourself, I wonder who those journals are for. I wonder, isn't that nice? They printed some stuff up for people. Uh, Well, today the answer is those journals are for you. And we want you to dive in a little bit and explore what we mean when we talk about momentum journaling, reading. But the reason we're talking about that is to help you understand why scripture intake is so valuable and important in your life as an individual and in our lives as a community. And so we're not just going to kind of talk about that and then walk out of here and go, wow, that was an interesting concept. Uh, I hope that takes root in some way. We're actually going to turn this place into a bit of a learning lab this morning where you can kind of practice uh, a little bit as to what Um, maybe scripture intake might look like for you on an ongoing basis. Uh, So before you make an excuse to head out and see them set up the uh, volleyball uh, nets for the Pan Am um, games or Pan Am uh, volleyball tournament here, uh, I want to share a little bit about my journey with the scriptures and scripture intake to help uh, you understand maybe a little bit uh, might connect with some of you. And we've been asking the question as we've looked at this stiff competition series, like what might actually trip you up in your pursuit uh, of learning to know a little bit more about God? What would be the things that would be in stiff competition with that desire, whatever place uh, it exists in your heart and in your life? So we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about uh, my journey with what kind of was in stiff competition in my world for an understanding of the Bible and its place. So as a young child, uh, growing up, we didn't go to church regularly. So I was aware of the Bible's existence. Uh, I knew we had a couple in our home. And what I knew about the Bible was that it was really, really dusty in our house because it got dragged off the shelf maybe once or twice a year. My parents would talk about something that they called a social obligation, And that was uh, that uh, they should go to church at least maybe once or twice a year, sometimes around Christmas, sometimes around Easter. And when they went to church or when they talked about this social obligation, that's when the Bible got dusted off. And I watched my parents sort of shake the dust off of it and then stick it under their arm. And we would walk into this little old country church up in northern BC with a little steeple and white clad siding and stained glass windows and the whole deal. And what I noticed is that everybody that walked in there had a Bible underneath their arm. And so all that I could piece together in my young mind was that somehow the Bible was connected to your membership in this little club inside of this building. And so if there was a Bible under your arm when you went, you were in the club. And if you didn't have a Bible, that somehow maybe you didn't know that that's what everybody in the club did brought a Bible under their arms. Kind of like, you know, you go to a Rotary Club meeting and you make sure your Rotary Club pin is on so everybody knows, like, I'm a Rotarian. uh, And you just kind of wear it around and everybody knows 
or historically or culturally, if we, uh, I thought growing up, everybody that wore a crucifix or a cross around their neck, I assumed that all of those people went to church. And I, I found out that not to be true as I, as I grew up uh, and moved to Toronto in particular in my, in my years. Um, but I just thought the Bible was sort of like, if you had a Bible, you were in. If you didn't have a Bible, you weren't in. So that was all I could piece together. And that was my first kind of encounter with the Bible in my young mind. But as uh, I was still fairly young, uh, my parents came to Saving Faith in Christ, where they decided that uh, a relationship with God was about more than just going to church every now and then. They actually had what they came to use the language of as a personal relationship with God, uh, that God was about more than just what he was up to for 60 minutes on Sundays at church. But their lives actually began to change to reflect his love, his grace, uh, his compassion. There were significant changes that I noticed in my parents' life and character as they began to interact more uh, with the Bible. And as they got more connected with God and got more connected with the Bible, then they got more connected with the community uh, that, that taught that, the church. And so then we started to go uh, to church regularly. And it was here in my early elementary school days that I was exposed to this thing called Sunday school, which I had never heard of before. And uh, people really there cared about God, and they loved me and cared for me, and they taught me about the stories of the Bible. And I learned all of the highlights. And, uh, and man, uh, there were some wild stories that, that I picked up in Sunday school that I had never heard anywhere before, like stories about floods and, and boats and animals and stories about lion's dens and stories about talking donkeys and all kinds of just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, and I really liked going because it was very interesting to me to pick up all of this information, which I, I learned came from the Bible. These stories were in the Bible. And many of the stories in my young mind had like a moral to them, like there was a lesson that was attached to the story. And so in my young mind, not understanding that much about the Bible, I just understood there were stories and there was a moral. And I thought, oh, I know what that is. That's like Dr. Seuss. Every Dr. Seuss story has a moral. Like the Lorax. What's the moral of the Lorax? Save the trees. I'm the Lorax. I speak for the trees, right? Like so, so I thought, oh, well, that's what Bible is. The Bible is just a collection of stories that have morals attached to them. And there's a whole bunch of them. And some of them, the teachers even in Sunday school made them rhyme. So I thought, oh, this is, I know what this is. I, I'm very familiar with this category already. Interesting stories with a mildly moralistic twist to them. And I thought, all right, well, if that's what the Bible's about, and I get that. Um, the challenge here is the Bible, uh, as I came to understand a little bit more about it, certainly contains stories, certainly contains morals, but is not primarily a design to lecture us or reform our character. It's actually primarily designed to teach us about God's character and who he is and his plans for the world, his grand story of creation and fall, and the redemption, and the restoration of all things. And it's a much, much, much bigger story than merely a collection of moralistic tales could ever bear witness to. So you can't get that actual vision of uh, God and his character if you only approach the Bible as an extended lesson on morality. There's so much more there. 
than that. But in my young mind, that's what I put together. Okay, I came to understand that, you know, Bible, part of a club, and then now Bible is a collection of moralistic stories. And then, unfortunately, in my adolescence, I took another detour through another mistaken impression in my adolescence. Because as I grew up and I looked around me, I came to see that some people knew their Bibles really, really well, like way better than I knew my Bible. And more than just the stories, like they talked about things like memorizing the Bible. And they, they read it like for themselves regularly. And they could spell the funny names in the Bible. And like the books of the Bible, they could find any 66 of them. I didn't know where Obadiah was, but they could do all of these things and more. And uh, they seemed to know all of the answers. And so to me, it seemed like that uh, new game show on the Game Show Network this fall. Have you seen this called the American Bible Challenge? How many of you have seen the American Bible Challenge? All right, you all, you all watch the Game Show Network regularly, I see. So Jeff Foxworthy, you know Jeff Foxworthy, smarter than a fifth grader, he has a new show. It's called the American Bible Challenge. I kid you not. That is a giant Bible, which lights up when green when the answer is correct and goes red when the answer is not correct. No, I'm not. I don't make this stuff up. Meg and I just keep, as we watch this, we just keep telling ourselves, only in America would this be possible. This is, you know, that, so you ask these series of, uh, it's like Jeopardy, basically, f- for Bible trivia. So host Jeff Foxworthy, he asks harder and harder and harder questions until finally, like, you get to what they call the final revelation. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I can make this stuff up. And they ask a whole series of questions, as many questions as you can get right in 60 seconds on a particular topic, and whichever team gets the most questions right wins $20,000 for their charity of choice. So as a teenager around the church, I kind of got exposed to this orientation to the Bible because uh, I realized that people that knew their Bibles well and got the answers right on on questions related to the Bible, like they were in positions of leadership and they got to do really cool things. They had all the right answers, or so I thought. So I wanted to be one of those people. And so another mistaken perception took root in my heart and it came to how I viewed the Bible. I began to approach the Bible as a tool to prove my spirituality and my maturity. So the better I knew the answers to the question, uh, the right answers, then I was a good, question, a good Christian. More right answers meant I was closer to Jesus. And during this time, I actually started reading the Bible for myself regularly, like outside of church. And for many years, I couldn't escape this mistaken perception. I began to review my Bible reading as the sole measure of my spiritual journey. So my goal became to be to put as many checkboxes beside did you read the Bible today as I possibly could, or my eternal state was in question. And I remember in this time, starting through the one-year Bible, because somebody had said, hey, you should read through the whole Bible in a year. I'm like, yes, I should. And so they gave me this Bible, and they're like, this organizes it all into readings for you. I'm like, this is great. So it starts with Genesis and section from Matthew, a psalm and a proverb. I'm like, nailing it. First month, I'm like all over it. I was excited, studious, check, 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 through my psalms and proverbs for the day. And then we got into Leviticus. We got past the Gospels. My check marks started getting fewer, fewer and further between. Uh, Spotty reading here and there. 
uh, was accompanied by incredible heaps and heaps of guilt because the one-year Bible has dates attached to it. So like September the 23rd, I should be reading September the 23rd, and I'd open, I'm like, ooh, I'm still in February. Uh, this ain't good. I'm never going to catch up. So I would just sort of usually at that point usually give up. Um, but I, you know, obviously scripture intake is healthy and God was still using it in my life. But I was mistakenly using the question, how many times did you read your Bible this week as my primary overall evaluation of my spiritual life? So it was as if in my mind, a giant evaluation form existed in heaven. And the question at the top was, how was Brad's Bible reading performance this week? What was his documentation of his uh, reading like? What was the ease of learning like, ease of use? What was his error margin in reading the Bible? What was the overall value it contributed to his life? Please check U for unsatisfactory, P for poor, F for fair, G for good, or E for excellent. Thank you for using the guilt-based Bible reading system. Have a nice day. And I felt like I lived like that for years. That the more I read my Bible, I, wanted, I felt like I was being more spiritual, and that was what good Christians do, I guess. Checking off boxes, trying to be faithful, feeling guilty when I didn't. But over time, something actually began to shift inside of me, very subtly and with some incredible input and wisdom from other people. I realized that I was beginning to become unsatisfied with that as my approach to the Bible. I realized that the goal that I had set for myself of getting through the Bible was the wrong goal. That the goal actually wasn't to get through the Bible, but to get the Bible through me. I realized that the goal wasn't to learn the stories or facts of the Bible, but that the real goal should be for me to know the heart of the author of the scriptures. Letting him speak to me directly and personally through the infallible words of scripture that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I was coming to understand something different. Not that the Bible should be used to prove my spirituality, but that the Bible is an authoritative guide for faith and life and for my life. And I like that image of an authoritative guide. Uh, when Peter and I were in Tanzania this last May, we traveled with a local guide named Eddie. And the thing that impressed me about Eddie, here's a picture of Eddie. The thing that impressed me about Eddie was that Eddie knew every part of the country in incredible detail. He would break into an explanation about local customs or topography or where we were or why we were there, all kinds of things. He was just a, a fountain of local knowledge. He always knew where we were going. He always knew the fastest route to get us there and around traffic. Uh, he was our authoritative guide to Tanzania. And I was new. I was facing uh, unknown territory. Uh, what foods were safe to eat? What streets should I or shouldn't we go down? Uh, and... What should be best to avoid? Well, Eddie knew, because he was the authoritative guide there. And so Eddie was quite willing to tell me, uh, share his authority with me. And so listening to Eddie to plan my day was always very helpful, because uh, I knew Eddie had my best interest at heart. And I suppose I could have chosen to do 
my own thing and go off and uh, do my, uh, go on a little excursions on my own. But uh, Eddie had the extra security of, um, well, we called it the laptop. We would always say, Eddie, do you have the laptop with you? Which meant he was carrying a firearm. Uh, so I could have gone off and done my own thing, but it was much safer to stick with Eddie and make sure that we were always you know, within Eddie's uh, reach if it was necessary. So if I wanted to have the best experience, it was important to listen to whatever Eddie said. Eddie was my authoritative guide on the unpredictable and unfolding world of Tanzania. And I think that that image of an authoritative guide is what the writer of Isaiah 50 is trying to convey to us about God's revelation in his written word. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, go there for a minute with me to Isaiah chapter 50. Because the reality is that you and I, every day, face an unpredictable uh, encounters in front of us. We face an unfolding world of choices and challenges, of past hurts, of current hang-ups and challenges, uh, sadness and joy, uh, laundry to fold, finances to manage, kids to raise, food to put on the table, challenges, uh, and everything in between. So wouldn't it be helpful if you had an authoritative guide to point you in the right direction as you move through your day? Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5. It says, The sovereign Lord has given me, has given you, has given us his words for his word of wisdom so that I'll know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me. He opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened, and I have not rebelled or turned away. Have you got a challenge in your life that you're facing right now? God wants to meet you in his word so he can provide you with wisdom. Are you, maybe someone around you is experiencing a high season of challenge. Meet God in his word. Ask God to give you the words that you need to comfort those who are weary. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Ask him. Meet him in his word. Wake up in the morning. Dive in. Not so that you can check off a box so that you can prove how great of a Christian you are or reduce guilt. Get into God's word so that you can do the hard work day by day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year of understanding and knowing what God's will is for you. You can understand what he wants you to do in your life and through you. And so this is my, for me, this is the frame now that I approach the scriptures with. I come to the Bible not because I need to check off a box make God happy with me. I spend time there because God has proven himself faithful to meet me there, to provide words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of hope, words of comfort to me in his word. And I don't know about you, but I need that kind of thing in my life. And I need it more than just a a once a week, 30 minute prepackaged dispensed conversation or even a few times a month. I need regular guidance. I need regular wisdom. 
I need regular input in my life. I need daily instruction and guidance from the authoritative guide. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, the text says, and I have listened. So, if this is true, and we believe that God wants to speak to us in his word, we're going to put it into practice this morning. So we're going to do something uh, that we've never done before here at Jericho Ridge. We're going to do a large group momentum journaling exercise. So if you have a journal, and that's something that you brought with you this morning or that you, you kick around with you, uh, take it out now, and uh, you can just flip to uh, one of the daily pages there. And uh, we're, not going to, we're going to do a different scripture than maybe is on if you're accustomed to doing a reading plan. If not, we've provided an insert in every info sheet. And so I want you to grab that insert now and take that out and have a look at it. And if you didn't get either of those, just you know, use a scrap piece of paper anywhere. I'll give you the instructions as to what I want us to do now. I want you to... Uh, Take out a sheet of paper or somewhere that you can write, or maybe you want to actually take your notes on your smartphone. That's totally fine. Um, and we're going to actually do a little exercise where we read it individually, the text, and we're going to read the text of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, just personally. And so it's printed up on the back of that insert if you need it there, or you can go there on your smartphone or grab it in your Bible. And uh, we're going to take a few minutes to do that. And... As you're reading, the basic concept is we're going to take a few minutes to read, we're going to take a few minutes to write, and then we're going to take a few minutes to get in sort of mid-sized groups, like 7 to 12 people that are sitting around you, and then I'm going to give you some questions uh, that you, I want you to process together, just about the experience, not necessarily about what you read. If you don't want to share what you've read, that's totally fine. I want you to just be very aware of how you're processing this experience of listening for God in his word and then writing something down. So the way that I do this, and everybody's going to be wired up differently. Some of you, this will be great. You'll love it. Some of you will be like, that was the dumbest thing that they have ever done at Jericho Ridge. I hate it. I'll never do it again. I'm fine with either one, just so you know. Uh, but in terms of the reading, what we'll do is, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to go there, and we're going to pray before we read the text, and we're going to just ask God that a word or phrase would stick out to you as you read through Second Timothy chapter 3. And then you write down your thoughts or observation. Now, if you have a journal, we have been in the habit of using an acronym to help kind of guide that process when you start writing stuff down. Uh, it's SOAP. If that's helpful for you, that's awesome. It explains it in the journal. I don't find it personally helpful at all because the O is observation. And I feel like if I'm going to make an observation, when I start to journal, I feel like I'm writing a commentary and I'm really not that smart to write a commentary. So I always get tripped up in that of just making general observations about the text. So for me, I've, done, I've switched to a different acronym, and I want you to play around with whichever one works for you. But the acronym I've started to use is SHAPE. So uh, the S stands for the same thing as in SOAP, Scripture. So I just, when, I go to the, when I go to a passage that I'm going to read, a chapter, I just ask God, is there one particular verse or a little phrase, maybe a word or two words, that actually sticks out to me as I'm reading? If I don't get anything the first time, I kind of read it through again. I'm like, okay, God, was it there and I missed it? Am I too hurried? Am I not listening? What are some other factors going on there? But usually one word, one phrase will just stick out to me. It'll kind of just jump out like, hmm, that's interesting. I never noticed that before. 
I'll just write that down. And for me, a lot of times, I'll just stop there. I don't feel like I need to keep going through the rest of the chapters. Um, I'll just kind of park it there for a minute. And then the difference is that I've been doing is the H instead of the O. So instead of the observing what I see in the text, I'm actually listening and saying, God, what do you think that, um, what, what are you saying to me here about this? Like, why did this little verse jump out? What do you want to say to me about it? So sometimes I have to wrestle with that for a while. Keep praying, keep after it, and keep saying, all right, God, you know, what do you want me to hear? Sometimes it's too noisy. Sometimes my kids come and interrupt me, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll have to try again later today if I get around to it. But, you know, um, my, my going to the scripture isn't to make observations about what I note there, but to actually say, God, I believe that you're going to speak to me through your word. So what are you going to say to me today? So that's the, the H. And I've started on the insert, you can see, uh, just to kind of prime the pump, because sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't really know what God wants to say to me today. But I find if I actually start to write, then um, usually something will come. So I've started my, my writing in my journal by uh, using the phrase, my son whom I love, today I want to tell you, and then just keep writing. Or, you know, your female, you put it, my daughter whom I love, today I want to tell you, and then just keep writing. What is it that God wants to tell you? Why did that verse jump out at you today? What does he have on his heart for you uh, today? So that's where the, the H comes in, the hearing. And then after you get through that, for me usually that's pretty short. Then is the A, the apply. Okay, if God wanted to tell me that, like, is there something I should be doing differently? Did God want to encourage me? Did he want to challenge something? Uh, should I be doing something different? Maybe it was you know, something about my character. Maybe it was encouragement for somebody. I should call them and encourage them, email them, whatever. So what, what's the actual like rubber meets the road application of why God spoke to me about that today? And then I pray and say, God, uh, I just need your help with this, putting this into practice because I'm not that smart and I'm going to forget this in about 10 minutes if you don't keep after me. So if you want to speak to me throughout the day about this issue, I'm totally open to that. And then because SHAP, S-H-A-P, doesn't really make a very nice acronym, then we fished around and put an E on the end of it. Shape, so it at least sounds like a real word. Uh, and the E is just exalt, like end your time by praising God and say, God, I thank you that because you speak to me and you spoke to me about this particular issue from your word today, I want to thank you for that. Or I want to thank you about some aspect of God's character. You know, maybe his justice or maybe you know, his love for you or for the people that you wrote down in there. All right? So that's sort of become my framework as I do some journaling. So we're going to do that, all right? So I'm going to give you about maybe, maybe five minutes, because well, four minutes, because 2 Timothy 3 is not a, that long of a passage. So uh, just do this individually. Get to 2 Timothy 3. Get a blank piece of paper in your hand. If you need a blank piece of paper, stick your hand up, and we'll come around, and we'll find you, and we'll, I don't know, I'll rip pages out of my journal, and you can get a... All right, so if you need a blank piece of paper, stick your hand up at some point, and we'll come around and find you. We'll read for four minutes, and then start writing. We'll give you about four minutes or so to write, and then we'll take about four minutes or so in a larger group environment where you process what the experience was like for you, okay? All right, so I'm going to leave that acronym up there. We're just going to let it be quiet, um, so just quiet your heart. Uh, we're going to pray before we do that. Sorry, Trev, can you put that next... I want you to pray out loud with me a prayer of invitation as we ask God to speak to us. So uh, on three, we'll pray this all out loud together. One, two, three. Almighty God, your spirit moved among the ancient prophets and writers, 
reminding them of the truth, shaping the eternal message of salvation, move among us now and speak to us so that we might hear your word with understanding and respond with obedient hearts. All right? Four minutes to read, 2 Timothy 3, go. Oh, 
So for some of you, timing-wise, that'll feel really, really rushed and condensed, and you'll think, oh, why is he pushing it so hard? 
Uh, I want to be sensitive to time on that front. Um, others of you might have whipped through that and been like, uh, I don't know, I didn't see anything there. Um, maybe the, you know, this isn't the venue that might be most conducive for you uh, on that front. Uh, but what I want to do now is um, make a transition. And um, this will be an optional exercise only for those who want to participate. So we're going to kind of do a, a stop point here um, to the gathering. Like you'll notice in my journaling, it's nothing sophisticated and long. My scripture is really short. Uh, my here is really short. My apply, I have a couple questions that I need and then something I got reminded about. Really short prayer, really short. I never go longer than a page um, unless something really profound occurs to me, which is very sporadic. Um, so just this for me is a, is a discipline. And again, if it's helpful for you, one of the things that we're talking about in this series with stiff competition is that sometimes we just need to grow in our discipline. Uh, we have intention, like Keith talked about last week, but it's actually our direction, not our intention, and the actual tools that we put in place in our life that will determine uh, the things that God wants to teach us in this. And so if this is a tool that's helpful for you and you want to kick that around a little bit more, great, have at her. If this for you is something you're like, oh, I don't know, I think I experienced God in other ways, at least give it a shot. Don't write it off before you try it a couple of times. Maybe try it two to three more times this week. Um, there's a reading plan there in the insert. There's also a reading plan in the journals. And it's a very manageable reading plan, Project 345, Three minutes and 45 seconds, it's the average time it takes to read a New Testament uh, passage that we've um, put in there. And you can do it on your smartphone. You can get it read to you while you drive uh, with our partnership with uversion.com. So there's lots and lots of options for creatively uh, playing around with that. So what we'll do is uh, I'm going to let you go at this point. And if you want to stay and process uh, that experience with a group of people around you, get to know them a little bit more, just start moving your chair into a circle. That will be the cue to people around you that you want to, to look at a couple of questions. And the questions, um, Trevor, if you can pop those up on there uh, for me. What was the experience like? What verse stood out to you and why, if you want to process that? What were some challenges that you had with it? And then what benefits could you imagine? Or if you have a practice of being uh, in Scripture intake in whatever format, maybe share that a little bit with others. And then if you have other strategies that you've found that have worked for you, play around with those a little bit and kind of share those in a group, mid-sized group, kind of 7 to 10.